everyone, TFA fam. Thank you for checking in to another Fantasy Authority podcast. Uh, you're listening to Cody Kutzer, your co-host, the other guy who is always here, always ready, always ready to go. That is Kevin Steele. Find him on Twitter at FantasyRad13. Today, we are finally going to be wrapping up the rankings. It's finally here. We're finally doing it. We're going to be going through our receivers from 13 to 36. If you want to check these out at any time, you can always head over to the fantasyauthority.com. You'll find all of our rankings there. They will be updated often because every time I open it up, I end up changing something because I feel like I'm too high or too low on somebody. So those will be updated, like I said, often. Today we're going to be doing things a little bit differently because we have so many guys we want to get through. So I'm not going to do too much uh, – Kaputs in here at the at the beginning. We're gonna basically instead of going through each receiver one by one, we're just gonna go through a couple at a time with our consensus rankings, and then we're just gonna talk about the guys that we have the biggest difference on opinion. So, without further ado, here are our rankings from thirteen to thirty six. All right, there you have it. So, like I said, we're just gonna I'm gonna just name off a couple of these guys here at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> After Monday, when I adjusted my ranks, it moved one of the receivers up into our top 12. We already covered that on Monday. So the guy who got bumped down was Odell. The guy who jumped up to 12 was Juju Smith-Schuster. That is the guy that we have a difference of opinion on, so we're just going to start there real quick. Uh, Kev has him at 10. I have him at 17. I'll just start this off by saying that I still have questions on whether or not he can be the unquestioned number one in the Steelers passing offense. There's no doubt that he's going to see the majority of the targets. It wouldn't surprise me if he has a upwards of 30% target share in this offense, because I have a lot of questions outside of him as well. Um, the, the, the thing that I did like seeing is that they are planning on moving him into the slot, and I think that's where he's obviously going to be able to function best. But there's no A-B on the outside to take that, uh, to take that heat off of him. So, like I said, the, the, for me having him here at 17, that all just comes down to I still have questions on whether or not he can function as the unquestioned alpha without somebody like Antonio Brown on the outside, you know, eating up all those double teams all the time. Um, and then if Big Ben goes down, we saw what happened last year to that offense. So there, to me, there's just a, too many questions to lock him in as that as a as a number one wide receiver. Uh, Kev, you have him at ten. Why don't you go ahead and spit your uh, your little spiel here for the people? Yeah, well, hey, it's it's good to be here, right? So I finally get to finally get to talk. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Juju for me is easy, right? It's it's what you have. You look at him last year, last year around this time, he was going pretty much similar in terms of ADP, but I think there was much more enthusiasm surrounding him coming off that monster season, especially once AB left. Everyone thought that he was really going to soak up, you know, get somewhere close to that 160 to 170 targets. That's not what happened. Obviously, we know the biggest reason was Big Ben. When you have Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges as your quarterback, uh, things are going to go awry really, really quickly, and that's pretty much what happened with him last year, but he only played in 12 games. He averaged about six targets per game, 18 point or 18% target share. He accounted for 22% of the air yards, finished with 42 receptions, 500 yards, three touchdowns, only averaged 9.4 fantasy points per game. So he was a massive bust for most every, most everybody that drafted him, right? But like I mentioned with that, but there's some really things to, to really like about his upside as well. If you look at him, he, all, the only wide receivers that have recorded more receiving yards before the age of 23 are Randy Moss and Josh Gordon with Juju Smith-Schuster being number three. 
In 2018, I think that's where he gets much more closer to. I mean, he averaged 10.4 targets per game, 23% target share, and 26% of the team air yards. He also ran 61% of his snaps from the slot in 2018, which was fourth most and had the second most targets. And he also averaged 1.93 yard per route run, which was fifth best. There wasn't a big difference in how he was utilized last year because last year he still averaged 66% of his routes from the slot. So, I mean, that is his role. He is going to be the slot guy. I think now with Chase Claypool coming in, I think Chase Claypool goes to the outside. I think it's going to be him and a mixture of either James Washington or Deontay Johnson. I, I, I really like Juju Smith-Schuster for this, for this upcoming season. I think he's being a bit undervalued. I think people forget he's still only 23 years old and he hasn't even hit his prime yet. So I think there's a lot to like with Juju. I think his upside is certainly there. And I and I hope his ADP kind of stays somewhere where, where it stays or around where it's at now because I think that he is a, his ceiling is much higher than that. And the biggest question, though, is going to be is can Big Ben actually stay healthy? Because if he doesn't, that is where we have issues. I don't know why they didn't go out this offseason really trying to find a backup with guys like Andy Dalton that was available, Jameis Winston. And I, I know they, I think they tried to make offers to them and they, those guys decided to go somewhere else. But I, I don't know, like I felt like that was a, a spot they really should, should have tried to upgrade because Big Ben is being held held together, you know, with tinfoil at this point. So uh, that's my only concern with Juju this year. But other than that, I really like him. And I, I think he's somebody that has definite wide receiver one upside. Yeah, he does. And with his ADP at in best ball tens over the past couple of days, he's going at at uh 34.67 so right at the uh was at the the end of the third so i don't have a problem with that adp there's just dude there's so many guys that i like this year and kind of like the uh the kenny galladay talk we had juju is just the uh the sacrificial lamb for me that had him slide down my ranks so we're going to continue on here uh the next guy we have at 13 like i said is odell we talked about him on monday so from then on we have Mike Evans at 14, DJ Moore at 15, Robert Woods at 16. We have DK Metcalf at 17, and DJ Chark at 18. Um, The guy that we are going to discuss here, my hashtag nuts on the table take, DK Metcalf finishes as a wide receiver one in 2020. I have him at nine. (laughs) Kev Kev has him at 29. Kev, I'm going to give you the uh, I'm going to give you the floor first here, sir. So go ahead and uh, go ahead and slay me here. Ha- what is it? Roast me? Has- hashtag roast me? Yeah, or flick them nuts off the table because that's a uh, this is uh, so here here's my here's my biggest thing right the reason I have him lower is, is because of Tyler Lockett right Tyler Lockett seems to be a little bit undervalued this offseason or this year compared to what he, what he was last year and I think that's a bit egregious the dude is still a baller I still think he's the number one wide receiver in this offense I like DK Metcalf a lot but. There's other things to consider as well. Is this team gonna actually going to throw the ball more? Because if they don't, um, I still think that, that there's, it puts an overall little bit of a cap. If you look at them both last year, they both averaged right around the same. Uh, Lockett averaged 6.9 targets per game. Uh, he had 22.3% uh, target share. If you look at DK Metcalf, he averaged 6.2 targets per game. Um, had a 20% target share in that offense. Now you could say, well, one was a first year, was a rookie wide receiver. The other one's been in the league for a while. So uh, what DK Metcalf did last year was super impressive. But a lot of what he did was off of the big plays, right? He had 58 receptions, 900 yards, seven touchdowns, um, 11.6 fantasy points per game. And then he his uh, 15.5 yards per reception 
was 16th in the league. And he, uh, so you look at all that, but then you look at Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is bald, especially inside of the inside of the red zone. Uh, his 27% red zone share, 26 deep targets was 11th, uh, 82 receptions, 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns last year. And he was also second with 17 red zone receptions last year. So I, I still think Tyler Lockett is the man. And he is the dude that that I w- that I have much higher than uh, DK Metcalf. Like I said, I don't hate him, but I just want. I-, I think Tyler Lockett is being undervalued. I think DK Metcalf is being overvalued. And at wide receiver nine, you can get all the way the fuck out of there with that one because uh, unless something happens to him, um, unless something happens to Tyler Lockett, I don't see that happening because I just do not think this offense is going to throw the ball that much. The other my, my my other issue with him was is also the fact that I know this is uh I think that he ends up I think they sign Antonio Brown. Uh, I think that is the most likely landing spot for him. I think that's the most logical landing spot for him. Uh, we know that they have no problem with taking on receivers who've had a bit of a trouble past. They just did it with Josh Gordon last year. And I 100% believe that Antonio Brown is coming back in the league. And I think that's where he lands. And I think that is going to also play a big part of where of, of the DK Metcalf hype. Yeah, if that happens, DK Metcalf is coming uh, tumbling down. But... I'm going to lay out some numbers here just real quick, and it's going to be the basis for another take that I have uh, coming up here, a little, little foreshadowing. But how do you feel about these numbers just in general? So let's say 130 targets, 85 catches, let's say 1050, and six touchdowns. Like, do, like, do those sound like outlandish, absurd numbers to you, like unattainable or crazy? No, but I have a feeling what you're doing is you're li- are you are you reading off somebody that that finished as a wide receiver one last year with those numbers? No, those are the averages for wide receiver for the players who finished wide receiver ten to twelve over the last three years. So typically, it's around that 130 target mark, anywhere between 81 to 90 catches, between a thousand to 1100 yards, and the touchdowns have remained relatively stable. They were. Seven last year, and then six point six seven the previous two years, and that's kind of where I'm I'm putting DK Metcalf and the receiver we're going to talk about here in a little bit, and I think those are absolutely attainable for for both of these guys. Um, last year, Metcalf had that nineteen percent target share, twenty six percent of the air yards. Um, if we look forward to, and then also one thing to keep in keep in mind last year is. The Seahawks had the 13th most offensive snaps with a deficit last year, and that is courtesy of uh, of Hayden Winks over on Roto World. I think he's at currently. We have the the squeaky wheel narrative. I'm buying into it. I'm using this as my confirmation bias. That defense didn't do anything massive to improve. They're without Clowney as of right now since he hasn't signed anywhere. So I think they are still going to be trailing in the majority of their games just as they were uh, last year. And if Russ gets this squeaky wheel narrative last, I think last year he averaged like 32, it was like right around 32 passes per game. Even if he bumps that up just four more passes per game, that's going to get him closer to the 600 mark versus the 500. And with his, with as efficient as he is, I, I might be a year too early on this call, but I think this is the year that we start to see that torch being handed from Lockett to Metcalf and if Metcalf like I don't think it's unreasonable at all Metcalf already had 100 targets last year 
if you if we give him quote unquote give him two more targets per game on average that's going to put him right at that 130 132 mark and with you you were talking about the big plays that he has and obviously Lockett has those as well um but i just i'm i'm projecting that passing of the torch with 2020 looking at sharp football stats they have the the Seahawks have the the most difficult schedule against the run in terms of run efficient rush efficiency. And I know there's, it's not super, I guess, telling, or it's not going to give us too much into the future in terms of the, the results for 2020, but I still think it's useful to look at at this point. And that is, they're also 20th against the, against the past. So I, I'm just seeing, like I said, I don't think it's going to be 650 pass attempts, but I think with as good as Russ Wilson is, as efficient as he is, and if we do get that passing of the torch from Lockett to Metcalf, I think Metcalf could be in for a monster year and finishes as a wide receiver one. I mean, you're talking about my man Tyler Lockett like he's a 32 year old wide receiver. He is 27. No, dude, so. dude, I I love. I think I have him as 24. Um, so I I think Russ see, this year. You, see, you you think that he's that they are going to have two wide receiver twos or two uh, two um that they are going to be able to support two top 24 wide receivers? Is what I'm trying to say. Yes, I do. Don't get me twisted. Uh, Russell Wilson is a baller, right? And the dude should have been unleashed a long time before this. And if they actually do unleash him and actually allow him to just go out there and ball, then no doubt that both of these guys can easily finish as top 24 wide receivers, barring the fact that they don't bring in somebody like Antonio Brown. Because I do think, I I 100% believe Antonio Brown is going to be back. I think I actually put Antonio Brown in my rankings. He's not even on a team, and I haven't, like, Wide receiver 39 or something like that, I think is where I put him. Probably would move him up higher depending on the situation that he would land in. But I 100% believe he's coming back. And so overall, I still think Tyler Lockett, I think, leads this team. Not just, I don't even think he has to lead the team in targets, actually. The dude's been ultra efficient his entire career with his targets that he's been given. Like I said, I mean, he was tied with Tyler Boyd last year for, for the most catches, a 15 plus yarder from the slot. And he also led the NFL with a 34.3 red zone target percentage. And he converted 37 targets, uh, red zone targets into 23 receptions and eight touchdowns last year. So uh, the dude's a beast, especially for somebody of his size, to be, able to be that that efficient in, inside the red zone um, and put up those kinds of numbers is pretty impressive. So I still think Tyler Lockett is the man. And right now, I think I believe he's going after DK Metcalf, and that makes him a value to me. Yes, he is. Uh, best ball tens, they are going two spots apart. So uh, Metcalf at wide receiver 19, Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 21. And uh, the uh, the little sandwich there between those two pieces of bread is one Cortland Sutton, and he kicks off our next – he's going to be our next uh, our next little debate here, but he's going to kick off our next little set of, of grouping. So we have – Cortland Sun at 19, you have him at 17, I have him at 24. Next, we have Tyler Lockett. We're only five spots different on Lockett. Uh, Keenan Allen at 21, Terry McLaurin at 22. Go ahead, and uh, I will give you the floor again once more. Like I said, you have Sutton at 17, I have him at 24. Go ahead and make the case for one Cortland Sutton. 
Well, if you just look at him last year, I think he's another one of these third-year wide receivers that uh, can uh, ultra really actually break out in a big way this year. One, I mean, you talk about bringing in Pat Shermer, who has a much more of a pass-first mentality. Each of the last two years, the Giants ranked top five in pass attempts. Um, again, you know, we've talked about that already, the fact that I think that some of that had to do with the fact that how bad the Giants' defense was. The Broncos obviously have a much better defense, and they, they typically want to run the ball a little bit more. However, I still think Pat Shermer brings a little bit more of a pass uh, makes it a little bit more even split here but when you look at Sutton I know last year some of this has to do with the fact that he was kind of the alpha the only real guy that they had there but he had 126 targets average almost eight targets per game he was 11th in deep targets 26.1 percent target share 72 receptions 1100 yards uh, uh, six touchdowns he averaged almost 14 fantasy points per game 15.4 yards per route run and then his 2.48 yards per pass route was 12th in the league. So there's a lot to like there. I think that, uh, be quite honest, I think that that target share uh, probably stays somewhat the same. And I think that he ends up, I think I have him right around about 140 targets this year. I think that actually goes up, even with adding Jerry Judy into the mix um, and, and KJ Hamler that they drafted. Noah Fant's still there. But if you look at last year, even once, uh, I was really interested to see what happened once Drew Locke came aboard. And once in the five games with Drew Locke, it pretty much stayed the same 25.6 target share. He scored on every Every 20 targets so i mean expecting with that at, at about 140 targets uh, that still puts them in that round right around seven touchdowns and as well within the range of outcomes uh so for me i, I just think that the, the writing's on the wall for him to continue i think he takes a little bit further step forward this year i think i ha- i would put him right around 1200 yards and like i said in that i would say eight touchdowns you know cut it cut it in half a little bit and i, I think that's kind of where i have him Obviously, adding Shermer and the pass-heavy nature of his offense is going to help him. Um, but I think the the additions of the, the all the guys they brought in throughout the offseason, Alberto, K.J. Hamler, Judy, Melvin Gordon, um, if you look at the splits with and without Drew Locke last year with Sutton, um, now again, like I, I'm, I'm also not a huge fan of like, well, if we just extrapolate this out, because that it never ends up being as – smooth and as clear as that but having said that just so i can use it to prove my point because that's what i'm going to do here hashtag confirmation bias dude it is confirmation bias season and i am all about that confirmation bias life son anyway uh if we take sutton's um stats with drew lock five games with 11 without in his five games he was headed for 163.2 uh, half PPR points, and which would have put him at wide receiver 27 last year. Um, the the thing that really came down for him were the were the yards, and then um, the the target shares and everything were, remained about the same. His catches, like I said, the the yards were the things that came down, and with with all the additions that they do have. And with, with old man Vic Fangio there, as much as Shermer is going to want to throw the ball, I do I could see a, a scenario where Fangio brings that down slightly. I don't think we see something like with um, Zimmer in Minnesota. I don't think it's going to be to that extent, but maybe not as pass happy as Shermer has been in recent years. So it's Dude, he's a baller. Uh, and then the, the the other thing to note here as well, real quick before we move on, his A dot did drop a two full yards between 
Flacco and Locke. And obviously we want we want our receivers to have the the higher A dot, you know, more air yards and everything like that. So that that is something to note as well. And I for me it's just uh, all the other additions that they made to that offense it has me slightly lower on Sutton. I don't I mean I I mean, just really quickly, the only thing I would say is this. One, we're talking about five-game sample size, so trying to extrapolate or draw huge conclusions from that, I think, is somewhat foolhardy. I'm not so worried about, like, I I do think that uh, Jerry Judy, I I think I could see him coming in getting around, I don't know, 90 to 110 targets, somewhere in that range in year one. Um, I don't think Hamler plays a huge role in this offense, probably somebody that gets 40 or 50 targets at most. And then, you know, Noah Fant, wherever he fits into that. So I I definitely think there's still room for growth in terms of target share in this offense and to be honest with you i think adding more pass catchers can also can also really help Cortland sutton i mean you're it's going to allow him to kind of get a little bit more one-on-one coverage it, you know if jerry judy can really take a step forward but we also have to forget remember the fact that you know this is a really young team with you're, you're putting in two rookies who i don't know how this is all going to play out you know over, over the next couple of months this next couple of months is going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out because they've already cut preseason they did that today they cut it from four to obviously down to the two games uh so that's going to be something to, to monitor i don't know how training camp's going to work and so if, it, if this is going to limit some of these guys some of these rookies are going to have trouble with this with picking up these offenses and getting all this time because they've already lost out on the rookie minicamp they've already lost out on otas now i know a lot of these guys have been working out separately and i don't know if this is something that drew Locke has been doing and working with like jerry judy and and Cortland sutton and trying to get some, build some rapport with these guys but if they haven't you know i mean they could be coming in a situation where they're just picking up the playbook and really starting to try to learn it um you know and have a you know a couple of weeks to get ready before the season starts so some of those things i think are going to uh be a uh, play of role in how this plays out this year. I think this fantasy season is going to be one of the most wild ones we've ever seen just because of all the different scenarios that we could see. We could have players that come down with COVID and end up, you know, missing them for two or three weeks or, you know, so with all that being said, I I, I think that I just, why I feel so confident with, with Cortland Sutton, I probably could have him much higher than 17. Uh, it was kind of close to some of these other guys. I feel like I could probably have him as high as, 13 12 or 13 and i really wouldn't be that upset about it because i think that he has that in his range of outcomes i think that he is the truth and i think he's a monster you are wrong i am right let's move on uh to wrap up our top 24 two guys here we have tyler boyd at 23 cooper cup at 24 i'm just going to throw out some other names here we're going to have two debates in this little segment uh aj brown at 25 we are close on jarvis landry at 26 and then Will Fuller at 27. So the two guys we're going to go back and forth on here are going to be Tyler Boyd at 23. You have him at 32. My hashtag nuts on the table take. He finishes as a wide receiver one. He was who I was alluding to earlier with uh, the DK Metcalf talk. I have him at wide receiver 12. And then Will Fuller, you have him at 20. I have him at 34. Uh, Let's start off with Tyler Boyd. I will jump in here first. I will take the floor. To me, like I said, if you look at the the numbers I threw out earlier, I'm not going to rehash them. You can go back and listen to them if you would so like. But he's had 76 and 90 receptions the last two years. He went over 1,000 yards in both years. Last year, the thing that really held him back, uh, 2018, he, fin- he finished as wide receiver 15, I believe. Uh, 27, uh, 2019, rather, I think he was like 22, something in that, like that back end wide receiver two range thing that killed him last year was one, Andy Dalton, your boy, Andy Dalton. And then also um, Finley. Like that was just – he's had like two of the worst offensive situations 
um, over the past two years. That has not been that has not been a hashtag blasty blast down in Cincinnati. Now they're bringing in Joe Burrow. Um, we saw what, and again, you can't necessarily, especially going from college to the NFL, but we saw how uh, comfortable Burrow was throwing in the middle of the field and targeting somebody like Justin Jefferson at, for, in the slot. So I think that could end up being, you know, I don't like this cliche either, but his his safety blanket, so to speak. And I, I just think that if what happens if either A.J. Green, because he's had, what, one 16-game season the past four years or something like that, and his splits with A.J. Green I think are a little bit better anyway, so that's not even anything that necessarily worries me. And if you look at what their offense has been uh, last year with um, – I can't think of his name – Zach Taylor, um, they were fifth highest in pass rate. They had 62 deep attempts. Um, that would have between obviously between Dalton and Finley, and that would have been more than guys like Matt Ryan and Jared Goff. I think Boyd can function as a not necessarily a a quote unquote deep threat, but I I do think he can be an efficient receiver down the field as well as as well as working over the short to inter- intermediate ranges in the slot. Um, like I said, if if AJ Green is either hurt, he gets traded. There's been rumors about him being trade bait to uh, to a team that's in playoff contention in the middle of the season. And then you're looking at uh, a rookie in T Higgins, and you just listed all the things that we you know we could see these rookies get off to a slow start. And then Auden Tate, who I think we both like, but I mean he's he's not anything that's going to hold back Tyler Boyd. So. I just think he could end up being the clear-cut wide receiver one in this offense with or without A.J. Green, to be honest. Um, and I think there there's a better chance of A.J. Green not being with the team halfway through the season in one way or another. And I, I do think that we could see Boyd up at that 140, 130 target range, you know, somewhere around those 90 catches. 1100 yards and seven touchdowns and i'll put him right around that 10 to 12 range like i said the the averages over the past three years so i mean i I guess you're here to tell me why i'm wrong so i will give you the floor sir do you realize that aj green exists does he though is that is that confirmed does he actually exist he he does he actually is he he is a thing okay it is disrespectful that you did. You think that Tyler Boyd, who is a great wide receiver too, he is not a wide receiver one. Okay, like I'm gonna put that there. You know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, he is not a wide receiver one. Okay, he is a fantastic wide receiver too, and I think that that that's certainly a range of outcomes for him. Definite, right? I think that things are a little bit different now in Cincinnati, right? This isn't 2019 where AJ Green, in my opinion, probably sat out because he didn't want to play, and somewhat more so than the the injury, probably. I don't know. That's that's a conjuncture on my part. That's just me uh, filling in some of the blanks here. And they they slapped the franchise tag on him. I don't know why for a team that is rebuilding. Why you would slap the franchise tag on, on him? So there, there is the possibility that AJ Green uh, either a uh, doesn't report, and but he that does not seem like the type of player AJ Green is. He is a very quiet, keep to yourself type of player. Right now, you have to assume the fact that he's going to show up, and if he does, he, here here's my thing. I think that AJ Green uh, is still the wide receiver one on this offense. 
can he stay healthy again? That's another question that we have to that you have to ask yourself. But I think AJ Green is a little bit of a value in where he is going because if he is on that football field, I definitely think that there is still enough in the tank for him to put give you a high end wide receiver two type season. Now you also factor in the fact that they spent a, a heavy draft capital on T Higgins and. You know, you seem to think that Joe Mixon is going to be heavily involved in this offense in the passing game. How much is this team going to throw the ball? You know, is Joe Burrow going to have any growing pains? There's a lot of things to to go over here, but I think that more so than anything, I think you're fucking crazy if you think that that Tyler Boyd is going to be a wide receiver one. I I don't think so. I think that, like I said, I think he's a fantastic wide receiver two. I do believe that A.J. Green is going to play this year with with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that A.J. Green has a better shot of finishing higher than what Tyler Boyd does, and I would take that bet straight up. We're going to have to figure out some uh, so, some like bets, and we, we're going to have to start keeping keeping track of these because I will I will take you on that one as – I don't even know as, as well. It feels like we've had some of these, but maybe we start with this one. We can uh, – you know, we can put this one down in ink, but I, I will. I will take. Both. I will smack you around. I will show you my pimp hand, and the, the, it is going to That's be. Not uh, the word I thought you were. Okay? That's not the word I thought you were going to use. It started with a P, there, buddy. Thank. Luckily, that's that's what you said. We're we're just going to move on before this before this gets way too off the rails. But I will say that, like I said last year, since he was fifth fifth, they were fifth highest in passing rate last year. I think it was like sixty three percent, something like that. And the, the defense, I'm not expecting to be any better. So I do think even if there are some growing pains with Burrow, I don't think they're going to have a choice but to pass the ball. So that is uh, that is where I stand with him. And like I said, I, I don't think that A.J. Green can necessarily stay healthy. And I think the presence of an outside receiver helps Boyd more so than it hurts so you him. Are, so let's just let's put it this way. You are all in on the Cincinnati Bengal offense this year. And the low-key stack, the, 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 the low stack for you would be – Going with a uh, Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon stack for you. Inject it into my veins. <laughs> hey, hey, boys and girls, you want to know how to lose your fantasy league? Boom. You're not even spending it anyway. We, we've we've spent too much we've spent too much time on this Bengals offense already. Like I said, the, the next one we're going to go back and forth on here a little bit is Will Fuller. Uh, our consensus twenty seven. You have him at twenty. I have him at thirty four. I will keep this one short and sweet. I don't think he's going to stay healthy. You're on the floor. What kind of take is that? You don't think yeah. he's going to stay healthy? No, that's we I don't mean, do that here. We don't do the whole "I think he's oh, going to get hurt" narrative. Okay. Yes, I will agree that he's never played a full sixteen games in his entire I'm career. Glad you agree? That with is facts. true. I'm okay? glad you agreed with hashtag FAX facts. However, facts. however, the the dude is still a baller. We know whenever he stays healthy, uh, what what he does, right? When, when he's when he's on the field, he, he four games. Okay, he played in 11 games last year. Quit with the disrespect. Uh, He had nearly a 21% target share. He averaged 6.5 targets, 23 deep targets, 49 receptions, 670 yards, 3 touchdowns, 12 fantasy points per game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 13.7 yards per reception, 9.4 yards per target, 2.43 yards per route run. All good things, all positive things, right? Here's the biggest thing. Health. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. So there goes that 30% target share that's out the door. Those 150 targets are up for grabs. Now, you can you can sit here and talk about health, but who do you like more? Do you like Brandon Cooks more, who is a concussion away, God bless his heart, from being out of football forever? Do you like Randall Cobb? Is that who you like more? Is it Kiki Kuti all of a sudden going to be a thing? Or is it Kenny Stills who could possibly be a thing, right? Will Fuller has the clearest path to be to get a, a massive jump in target share. And he's been one of the most efficient wide receivers in the league. The dude has a nose for the end zone. If you remember, was it last year where he had that crazy run of touchdowns where the dude was just scoring touchdowns every single week? Now, I will say that last year, I mean, his most of his fantasy production came from one game against the Atlanta Falcons where he had dropped his nuts all on the Falcons and drop what was it like 52 fantasy points? I remember because I didn't have nearly enough of them in DFS that week. And I was, you either played Will Fuller and won money or you didn't play Will Fuller and you lost money. That's how, that's how it went. Those are the rules. I didn't make them. But Will Fuller now takes the keys to be the number one wide receiver in this offense. Again, I understand. Health is, is, is always a concern, but some of that is baked into where he is going. He's going as a low-end wide receiver three. I think he has wide receiver, high-end wide receiver two, possibly low-end wide receiver one upside in him paired with Deshaun Watson. With all those things considered, he is the best option for this uh, for this offense. As, as far as I can tell, you still like Deshaun Watson. You have Deshaun Watson, what, why, running back, or running back, what, QB6, QB7, if I remember right when we did the quarterbacks. How is he going to get there? You know, like he's gonna have. So I feel like that Will Fuller. I think projecting him for something in the range of 120 to 130 targets is fair. With as efficient as he is, he's one of the best deep balls. He has. He's one of the best deep threats wide receivers in the league. And like I said, I really like Will Fuller. I think Will Fuller is an absolute steal. He is certainly high risk, high reward, and that. But that is all what I'm about. I'm about that life of high risk, high reward. Yeah, well, I mean, some of us like to be right and some of us like to be wrong, I guess. I mean, that's, that's, I guess, just what that this one's going to come down to. No, it's, it's just like I, I just don't trust him to, to stay healthy. 14, 10, 7, and 11. Those are the number of games that he's appeared in over the, pa- over the past four years with a guy like him who his, he's, I don't think he's just a deep guy, but his game is built on speed. And with the number of soft tissue injuries that he's had every single year, that's just not something that that I can trust. If somehow he is able to stay healthy, like Brandon Cooks, if one of, like one of those it's guys, it's wheels up. Then it's wheels up. It's wheels. It's wheels up for yes. Will Fuller. And we'll like, look back and laugh and be like, "Wow, Will Fuller was an absolute steal." Yeah, absolutely. It's like I would for their price and for the risk reward. I would rather have. Kenny Stills just be like he's basically going undrafted he's he's one of my he's he, he would be one of my favorite late round best ball targets because I I'm not sure I want that headache deciding when to start him but if you're looking at at health with these guys he could be the guy who's the the de facto wide receiver one like I guess with Randall Cobb by by the end of the year if you know what I mean, if if Fuller and Cooks go down, so that's going to be super interesting to watch and see how all of that plays out. 
Um, moving on here, like I said, we're going to go up to wide receiver 36 in our consensus rankings. We have Devontae Parker, 28, T.Y. Hill in a 29, A.J. Green comes in at 30. We're not that far apart on A.J. Green either. You have him at 26. I have him at 33. Uh, Stephon Diggs, 28 and 32 for both of us for our wide receiver 31. We have Marvin Jones at wide receiver 32. We have Michael Gallup at wide receiver 33. Uh He's someone who we are further apart on in terms of these these later round guys. So we'll get to him. Julian Edelman, 34. Brandon Cooks at 35. And Christian Kirk rounds out our top 36 consensus wide receivers at uh, at 36. You have him at 38. I have him at 37. So let's circle back to, to Michael Gallup here before we get into some of our late round wide receiver targets. You have Gallup at 36. I have him at 29. Um, I'm assuming you have him a you have him a little bit lower because of the addition of one CD Lamb. Am I correct in that assumption? Yes, hundred percent. That's that is that is the is biggest that, reason. Is that the sole reason. That is the reason. I love Michael Gallup. I think I think there's a case to be made that Michael Gallup isn't that far behind Mario Cooper in terms of just overall talent. I think the dude's a baller. It was a shame once because I he was somebody that I was in love with this year. Right, right. Was that a was that a hashtag, dude? This is what we're gonna do, bro. We need to get so we're gonna get some shirts made up, and it definitely has to have hashtag nuts on the table. Like that's that's just, that's just the part of the brand now is hashtag yeah. nuts on the table. I, like I said, I love Michael Gallup. This isn't so much about him. This is more about just the overall situation. So for me, like it's, he certainly can be a wide receiver too. Like you know, if you look at the teams that can, I think I was. Um, I don't want to. I'm trying to think of who it was that somebody. Anyways, I'll remember it later. Uh, I feel bad because I always like to give people credit. But somebody put out a tweet today that I think it was like uh, on average uh, four four quarterbacks a year are, yeah, are, are able to support, uh, top 24 wide receivers, and I definitely think Dallas is one of those teams. Would it surprise me if Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper both finish as top 24? No, absolutely not. And I, like I said, I really like Michael Gallup, but I do think the addition of CD Lamb. Uh, does does affect him a little bit? Blake Jarwin getting involved as well. Ezekiel Elliott, like it's a little bit difficult more for me to 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 put Michael Gallup up there to some with with some of these other guys that have a little bit more clearer path. That's really my only problem, with Michael Gallup. I love the player and that they br- did bring in C.D. Lamb. I know the cow, you know, obviously if you're a Cowboys fan, you love it. But for me, like for fantasy purposes, I would have much rather have it just been the two of them because I think they two could have balled together. But regardless of that. Yeah, and I, I, I do understand. I will say, I want to say this real quick too, was that I do not understand that Randall Cobb was also there last year. I think he had like what eighty or ninety targets. Um, so Witten, what's that? Witten as well. I think between yeah, the, yeah. So both of them are gone. One hundred fifty yeah. targets open. I think. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, to if we had a regular off season, I probably would be bumping Gallup down a little bit, and probably Amari Cooper for that uh, for that matter. I think it, well, uh, he was my wide receiver eight back on our, our show earlier this week when we went over our top twelve. But I think with without having a full regular season with somebody like Gallup, uh, who you were just waxing poetic about, I don't see. I don't think that they're going to feel the need to have to rush. Lamb into this offense. I think they can kind of bring him along slowly. Is there the possibility that he just completely balls out early on and they have no choice like but to get him more involved? Absolutely. He was one of our favorite uh, rookie wide receivers coming into this year. We both had him as wide receiver one, as did many people. Um, but I, I, I just – 
I am with you on the fact that Michael Gallup is a baller. He is legit. I do think that some of his stats last year, I, I guess his his usage was related to Amari Cooper just being banged up literally from the preseason on. But I do think he is a baller. And like I said, because of that, they're not going to have to force Lamb's hand into the fold. It wouldn't surprise me if Lamb was targeted less than what, like five times per game at, at the, at the onset of the season until everything kind of, until everything gets going with, uh, with the offense and they can get him more acclimated and, and all that jazz. So that'll wrap up our top 36 receivers. Let us know, uh, you know, your, your thoughts on the rankings. Like I said, you can always get our rankings over at the fantasy authority.com. Always reach out, reach out to us on Twitter at FF underscore authority. Uh, so moving on here, we're just going to start throwing out some of our favorite late round targets at the wide receiver position. Uh, just to, to peel back the curtain here a little bit, I did not get to ask you about this pre-show, Kev, um, but the, the first guy I had listed on the show sheet under late round targets was Manny Sanders. Uh, in best ball tens, he's going as wide receiver 43 in the ninth round. I filled out the show sheet. I came back, opened it up before the show, and I just see LOL, 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 LOL. Now, Kev, like I said, before the show, I did not get to ask you, is that because you don't think he is, that is, that is quote unquote late round? Or do you think that it's just absurd that I am targeting him earlier than that in drafts? Not sure what the LOL, 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 LOL. <laughs> uh, I think it had more to do with where you ranked him as a wide receiver 31. That 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 is my beef with you uh, as a wide receiver three. You don't think he can finish as a wide receiver three with Drew Brees? Man, we have. I'm I'm gonna have to get a, a little scroll, a little uh, little tablet out here and start jotting these down. I'm gonna do that right we now. We were talking about uh, how old wide receiver? How old is he? 32, 31, 32 wide receiver, right? And he still looked damn good. He's gonna have one of the one of the most efficient, most accurate quarterbacks. And he's going to have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara to take off a lot of heat from him. So for him to function as the as the possibly even the third target in that offense, I think he's easily going to be able to give us wide receiver three value for sure. I'm going to write that down real quick, uh, and then wh- why don't you go ahead and jump into into some years? So basically, the reason why I like Mandy Sanders going in the ninth round. I would have no problem targeting him seventh or eighth round, uh, and, and, uh, another round or two higher than where where he's going currently. And I kind of just laid out the reasons too. It's the fact of the offense that he's in. We know Drew Brees is going to be efficient as long as he's healthy, super accurate. I do think that the fact that Sanders came back and played as well as he did, coming off an Achilles injury nonetheless at his age, is super impressive. And uh, I, I think he's going to fit into this into this offense flawlessly. And I think we're going to see him uh, not necessarily eat, but I do think we see him have a have a really solid year. And I do have him finishing as a as a wide receiver three. Oh, for me, I mean it's simple, right? Like so. Well, once you get to this part of the draft, we'll talk about it this entire time through July, through August, when you're drafting. Once you get past you know the eighth, ninth round, or even really once you get past probably the sixth round, seventh round, you should be shooting for nothing but upside. And that's all that I am looking for here. So for me, the the first one would be McCole Hardman. I do have some concerns with him with, you know, how much target volume is he going to experience? 
you know, with Demarcus Robinson still there, Sammy Watkins is also still there. The dude was absolutely efficient last year in the little opportunities that he saw. He only had 41 targets. He had over, what, 500 yards, seven touch or what was it, six touchdowns, seven touchdowns? I just had it up. Yeah, so he, he six touchdowns, 538 yards, six touchdowns, only a 7% target share. But he led the league with 20.7 yards per reception, 13.1 yards per target, which was also first, uh, top five in target separation, and he was also number one in fantasy points per target. We know how efficient the dude is. He's playing on the best, one of the best offense, if not the best offense all of football the question is is, is he going to see uh how big of a jump is he going to get from year from rookie year to this year because in reality once Tyree Kill came back last year he did not see much much in terms of targets however I think that you could probably safely project him to take a, a, a little bit of a step up this year he is somebody that I think that if you can get him in the eighth or ninth round you could be possibly take getting a massive steal here we know Sammy Watkins is another player that always gets hurt every single year and if that happens I think McCole Hardman would definitely be somebody that uh, would be the biggest benefactor from that so I like McCole Hardman as kind of that late round um, home run hit yeah I agree I, I do think it's going to take uh take Watkins going down for him to reach that full potential. But like you said, at this, at this range of the, the draft, you're, you're shooting for upside anyway. Um, the next guy I'm going to throw out here, LaVisca Chenault. Again, best ball 10s ADP. He's going as wide receiver 73. Uh, and that's where he's going is basically the beginning of the 17th round. So you're probably not even going to have to take him in your your standard redraft leagues that are, you know what I mean, going to be 15, 16 rounds once you factor in defense and kickers for for those who still do that. But the reason why I'm intrigued with him is the wide open depth chart. I'm it's gonna be I think I'm gonna be really fascinated to see how Jay Gruden uses him in this offense. Uh, I think he can function as a just a, a legit straight up wide receiver. But we do know one of the reasons why we liked him so much is because you can use him in, in a multitude of ways. So I'm going to be super interested to see how they use him. And outside of DJ Chark, I mean, who are you really looking at there? They brought in Tyler Eifert, another guy. Can he stay healthy? Who knows? Um, I know a lot of people were all about that D.D. Westbrook life. I think that train has left the station. And when that train left the station, I think they left behind Keelan Cole as well. Um, you watch your mouth. You watch, he, he was somebody that I was going to put on this list was Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole is better than what we, what we think he is. I think he is somebody that has potential this year. Uh, he, he almost made the list. He almost made my list, okay? You make that list. That is an exclusive list to be on. I do not miss, okay? When I, when I come, I, I come ready, and I just hit nothing but homers. I'm like Ken Griffey Jr. with that sweet swing every time. So you watch your mouth on Keelan Cole. That was that was a little abrupt there for the uh, for the podcast listeners. That was not a uh, that was not a glitch. I was also waiting for Kev to say something else, and he kind of just <laughs> he kind of just cut that one off short. And anyway, also your your home run little little sound effect there. That sounded like a wiffle ball bat just going straight into the dirt. That didn't sound like a home run to me. So uh, next time you talk about home runs, you you better bring that. Bring that noise, man. The next guy I'm going to throw out, and I'll let you go, Kev. Uh, John Ross, all about that Cincinnati. You are all in on Cincinnati. Just This is just a, a Bengals podcast now, just a home of the Bengals. Welcome into the Bengal Authority podcast. I am the only one here. My name is Cody Kutzer. Uh, the reason why I like John Ross, it, it's the price, right? If he doesn't work out, if he gets injured again, you just drop him. He's wide receiver 76 and best ball 10s. Absolutely free. 
if you look at what he did at the beginning of the year last year, now granted it was only for two games, but he had in the the first two games, I think the first game, I think he went like seven for 158 and two, if I'm not mistaken. And then the following game, so that was the first game against Seattle, second game against uh, San Fran, maybe. I might be wrong on that. But then he went like four for over 101. And then after that, he did John Ross things. I, I do think he had another game toward the end of the year where I believe he had like 80-some yards. Um, if he is able to stay healthy, he brings something to this offense that they do not currently have. Um, both A.J. Green and Higgins are speedy for their size, but they're not blazing fast guys, especially A.J. Green. Who knows what he has left in the tank? I'm just going to continue to bury this guy because I can't be too pro Bengals here. But like I said, John Ross, he's he's a late-round target of mine because if, if he is able to stay even over – 11 games something like that i think he could he could have a a really solid return again at his at his price he's going at wide receiver 76 and i think he's one of those guys that we are not expecting to stay healthy so even if like there starts to be some buzz which i'm not expecting at all but even if there is some buzz i like this price isn't going to skyrocket by any means like maybe it gets up to like 60 or so, but he's not going to be going any higher than that. So his price is going to stay down. He's someone that I'd be interested in taking a uh, a, a very buy low approach in dynasty as well. I think you should be able to get him for for, for dirt cheap. I I'd be interested to see how many people who drafted John Ross are still holding him on their teams. But Kev, why don't you go ahead and jump in here and give me some of your targets as well. Sorry, I had to wake up a little bit. You know, all this Bengals talk put me to sleep. All right, so you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna open it up here, right? So Brandon Ayuk, simple, right? And I feel like I'm cherry picking a little bit because his his ADP is gonna continue to skyrocket with Debo Samuel going down. I moved Debo Samuel way down my ranks. I think I moved him down to like 48, 49 range. I don't think he's going to start the year with, with, with the team. I really, really don't. This is an injury that people have talked about, that the longer you wait, the better off, because it is it is high likelihood of, of re-injury. I think there's a real possibility he starts the year on the pop. You give him that extra time, that extra six weeks. So for me, that's why I have Brandon Ayuk as a guy, because I think that he is somebody – I mean, they, we know that the 49ers absolutely love Brandon Ayuk. They said that they had him as their number one wide receiver on their board. Don't know, you know, you take that for what you will. Put it in your pocket, whatever. But they love him some Brandon Ayuk. There's there's nobody else there. I think another really, really, really late round guy, probably something you don't have to draft, but is Jalen Hurd, who is also kind of another interesting name to kind of uh, to kind of keep an eye on for this season. Didn't get an opportunity last year. But Brandon Ayuk, uh, again, I think he's gonna continue to rise up. And I think you're gonna work eventually we'll get to a point, probably in August, if these reports hold true, that Debo Samuel is likely to start the year on the pup. If that happens, I think what ends up happening, you see Brandon Ayuk probably easily surpass him in ADP and probably is a guy who probably rises up maybe to that fourth, fifth round, sixth round type of range. And at that point, I'll have to readjust. But as of right now, I think Brandon Ayuk is an absolute steal because he's likely has the opportunity to be the number one wide receiver on this offense. 
Now, this is an offense that does want to run the ball. George Kittle is obviously still there. That dude's not going to absolutely ball. But I think Brandon Ayuk has a role. He's a super explosive athlete. So I like Ayuk as, as kind of a late-round flyer that you could take a shot at. Um, I'll just to keep the conversation rolling, the other guy I kind of have an interest in is Corey Davis. Um, he is absolutely free now. He is dead. People want no part of Corey Davis. He is still somewhat young. Um, it, if this offense... So, so people seem to really like this offense, right? People really love A.J. Brown. People really seem to still like Ryan Tannehill. People really like him. Corey Davis and Johnny Smith, but people kind of just forget about Corey Davis, especially in the playoffs last year. Corey Davis has, has played pretty well. I think he's somebody that still could probably get in that six to eight target territory per game and where he's going kind of makes him a steal I, he's somebody that i wouldn't mind just taking a shot on late in drafts and, and because I, I do think he still has some upside and i don't think he's as bad as he's been in his career he's, he's been one of those players that kind of been dealt a really terrible hand with a quarterback like ryan or excuse me ryan well ryan Tannehill is not great but marcus Mariota through most of his career um so with all those things considered i i kind of like Corey davis as kind of that late round flyer i don't hate it uh, I'm going to throw my final two guys out here. Uh, one, Steven Sims, wide receiver 78. Kenny Stills, wide receiver 82. I already talked about the reason why I like Kenny Stills when we were talking about Will Fuller. Basically, I think there's there's a there's a legitimate chance that he is just basically the last wide receiver standing at the end of the year, right? Like I don't think we should be surprised by that by any means whatsoever. Um, and with as bad as that defense is. They're going to have to throw the ball. I'm, I'm actually really excited to see what Watson can do with this wide receiver group. Like especially if things go sideways and they they lose one or two of their top two guys. Uh, but anyway, with, with Steven Sims, I think he has a solidified role in that offense. Outside of McLaurin, there's not a lot going on there. As much as I loved Kelvin Kelvin Harmon, um, Antonio Gandy Golden, ah. Uh, I'm I'm just not sure how well he is going to transition to the NFL, to be honest, especially in year one. I mean, if, if you watch a lot of what his, you know, the, this normally I would not suggest doing this, but like his highlight film, but basically that's just what he did at Liberty in general was, you know, sideline, back shoulder, contested catches. If he's having trouble separating from, you know, four guys playing at like Fordham University – it's going to get a little bit harder whenever he gets to the league. So I, I'm just, especially the the first year or two, I think he's going to have some growing pains. So like I said, outside of McLaurin, I think Sims finished in the in the last four year uh, last four years, in the last four weeks of the season. Steven Sims was sitting right outside of wide receiver two range. He was wide receiver twenty five from weeks thirteen to sixteen. Uh, and half PPR scoring right behind Manny Sanders and Darius Slayton. Yeah, boy. So he, he's just someone who who I like, again, not expecting that to be a good team. I think they're going to have to pass. Um, and out, like I said, outside of McLaurin, some of the running backs, I guess, but you don't know what that's going to shake out like. So McLaurin and Sims are going to be leading that, uh, that receiving room. I don't hate Steven Sims. I think he's somebody that uh... – has a little bit of intrigue. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see with them. So my last guy is somebody that I did not expect to see on this list, but as I was kind of digging into some things today, Russell Gage, right? Completely free. Nobody's taking him. Nobody's drafting him. He's not going anywhere. But once you start kind of digging into his numbers a little bit, 
there's a little bit of upside here uh, when you look at him because so if you look at Russell Gage over the last uh, from week 12 on this was his, his fantasy production 15.6 in week 12 16.2 in 13 week 13 3.7 week 14 8.3 fantasy points week 15 and then 10.6 and 13.8 week 17 he really started to become much more involved in this offense over the second half of the season past week 12 um he had what one or actually two weeks with double digit targets. There's a lot to like here with Russell Gage and somebody that's absolutely free. Um, he's still only 24 years old. Uh, he was a sixth round pick out of LSU. I mean, he's not the most athletic guy, but I mean, he's not terrible either. He has a 48th percentile 40, which you're in a four, 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 five, five, but he does have an upper percentile burst score with a 127.381st percentile burst. Um, so, I mean, there's a little bit of like here, and somebody that in an offense that we really like, obviously they were the number one team in, total, in terms of pass plays per game last year, but he had 74 targets last year, 12.9% of the target share, but he is like a nobody for anybody. I mean, I have not heard one person talk at all about Russell Gage. And you can say, well, that's because he's hashtag not good, but... In an offense that we were projecting to be explosive and to be one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the league, I think there's a little bit to like here with Russell Gage. I'm not expecting somebody that you're going to want to plug in and be as like your wide receiver three, but I think somebody, especially once we get to bye weeks, um, and I honestly believe like we need to have a conversation about this. Excuse me, I'm probably on another podcast. Would be we're probably going to have to raise our fucking our, our our bench spots and probably really think long and hard about, especially even in redraft leagues, because there's going to be this is going to be a, like we've already kind of talked about. Like this is going to be a crazy year of COVID and try to understand and navigate the waters where you could have it could be Saturday and your player is perfectly healthy, and next thing you know, you have two guys that get it and and you're, you're scrambling because you don't have enough spots. So I think this is going to, have to be a year where, where, where commissioners are going to have to be flexible. It's probably you know you could probably do an entire podcast about this. To be honest, I know it kind of seems tug in cheek here, but there, but as a as a as a commissioner of a fantasy league, you're going to have to come up with something because there's going to be some crazy stuff that comes out of this. And if they end up playing, so guys like this, like Russell Gage and, and players like this. This would typically never be on somebody's radar because I don't think he has some large ceiling, but I think he could be like a bi week fill in type of guy because, you know, this is an offense that throws the ball a ton. And who else do they have behind him? I mean, Laquad, unless you think that Laquan Treadwell is a thing, which I still don't, they did bring him in. And then they still have like Christian Blake was a guy last year. I remember playing him in DFS one week, which actually really worked out, but he's still not somebody that I, that I believe that, that would, that could overtake him. So I think Russell Gage ends up being the number three wide receiver in this offense. So, you know, if 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 we're wanting to target this offense, I don't know why people aren't really talking about him more because I do think that he has at least a decent floor. Um, he doesn't have a really high ceiling, but I mean, again, I think he's somebody that could kind of give you some of those weeks where he gives you that ten to twelve fantasy points. And I know that's not great, but in weeks once we went to buy and everything else, like that, that's somebody that could kind of come in clutch as like a flex spot that that, that you could use. So. Again, um, I don't think he has a really high ceiling, but you know, I kind of like Russell Gage, somebody, especially after digging into a little bit, how involved he was in the offense. Yeah, he's another one of those guys where um, for him to reach that that true ceiling and true potential, I do see there needing to be an injury. But Julio Jones kind of seems to be like banged up all the time, always going in and out. You're always wondering about him. Um, Calvin Ridley has had so, some injuries as well, so – I, he'll, he'll definitely be, you know, at the top of our receiving uh, receivers list for um, for waiver wire targets if one of those guys 
go down. I, I I do remember talking about him and you guys talking about him, especially on the the Degen Nation pod. And he did have some have some usable weeks last year for sure. So, uh, dude, I think that's uh, that's gonna do it, man. We we just ran through a bunch of players. Got just right over the the hour mark here. Is there uh, any any parting shots? Anything else you want to get in before we uh, start to say our goodbyes here? I'm just happy that the ranking stuff is over. Like, right? Like, I know people love it. I know the content people love it. I know the people that that uh, consume the content. I should say love rankings. But it is like there's so many more other things that I, I think we should. I would rather talk about that. I think because we're here to win people championships, right? And now what we're here for is what we're trying to do. Try to win championships, right? That's what we're trying to do. Put our nuts on the table and just win championship, 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 championship. Make it rain championships up in here, right? And while rankings are fun. Uh, there's so many other things that I'd rather get into, so I'm I am looking forward to that and actually start uh, digging into some other things, some other aspects, you know, of that. So if you have any ideas for the show, you you can let us know. You can jump into our Slack channel, which is absolutely free, which is in the show notes, whether it's on the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, it's also there. You just click there, boom, click that little click here. It says click here, click here. You just click that button, jump right in, you type it in, boom, you're in. That's all it takes. I don't need to know anything else. You can so you can jump into there. So then you can slide into our DMs the fantasy football community absolutely free or you can you can just hit us up on uh, on uh, the old email right if you're a person that emails a lot you're at your desk you, you have a question fire us an email at the fantasy authority one at gmail.com this is we're here for you guys i would like to start doing some mailbag shows i think that would be a lot of fun to start answering questions we are getting very close to hashtag draft season i mean we're, we're like what two or three weeks away from it where people really start gearing that stuff up so let, let, let's get into it, right? So, like I said, absolutely free. Join our no, Slack channel, or you know, leave us if you're watching this on YouTube. Leave a comment in the comment sections. We will always respond. I mean, generally within an hour, we respond back. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at Fantasy Round Thirteen, or you can or you can you know reach out to Cody at Twitter. And uh, the last thing I'll touch on, you already touched on a little bit, but definitely the Slack channel. You know, we typically don't get like too serious here. But especially if all this COVID shit starts flaring up again and we get quarantined, I know it's something that a lot of people like seriously struggle with is not having connections and people to talk to and interact with. The uh, R Slack channel has been starting to pick up again, you know, the, the little redraft guys, the gophers, starting to poke, poke their heads up, the little redraft guys coming back, so... The, uh, you know, we have been having some good discussions. We had uh, another David Johnson discussion uh, on that yesterday, the day before, that was spurred by uh, your tweet. So we were talking about him, talked about David Montgomery, and you uh, you came up. Listen, you guys should be joining the, the Slack just for the Dr. Seuss rhyme that Kev used to basically just slam me for even suggesting that David Montgomery might be a worthwhile pick this year. So, uh in all seriousness, jump into that Slack chat. Like I said, free, no strings attached. If you if you like it, we'd love to have you and uh, you know get some interaction with the, the community members because, like Kev said, we are doing this for you guys to, to help you guys out. So we love to get to to interact and get to know some more of you. So uh, in in all the show notes, wherever you're watching or listening to, you can find that. Click the link and you'll be in. So uh, that is going to do it for this show. Again. Find me on Twitter at CKutzerFF. You can find Kev on Twitter at FantasyRat13. And we will see all of you guys soon.